This is Milton Walters, and you're listening to Adapting in My Grief. I'm going to be talking to people and hear their stories regarding their experiences with grief, the loss of their loved one, the importance of the support they received, and how they've learned to adapt to a life without their loved one. I first met Derek Gill around 2009-10 when he was a broadcaster with the ABC 774 in Melbourne. He was in early discussions at stage with my wife Bernadette, republishing a book through her publishing company, One Day Hill. It was called The Promise, and it was subsequently published in 2013. It was a beautiful children's story depicting a beautiful relationship between the people of Villa Bretonneur in France during World War I and those in Melbourne, and Derek will talk a little bit about that later on. Derek's radio career, most people would listen to him and know his voice very well, started many, many years ago in country Victoria in Hamilton and subsequently in Horsham where he uh, worked for the ABC, moved to Bendigo after that where he was a morning presenter on newly formed ABC radio station there and did a little bit of time as well as being their station manager. Uh, He worked on the statewide afternoon program on 774 in Melbourne before being offered the shift and taking the reins of the evening show in Melbourne on that station, 774. He was renowned for his love of music and often had many well-known, emerging and seasoned artists performing on the show. And who could ever forget the quiz that... uh, I won't say it seemed to go forever, the quiz, Derek, but it did seem to go for a long time and was fantastic. Um, Derek retired in September 2011 and now works as a freelance MC and does some interviewing work as well. And also uh, you can hear him on the conversation hour occasionally and he'll often fill in for people in Country Victoria and the radio station he now lives in Country Victoria. Uh, He's been in a band for many years, The Ugly Uncles, and he plays the guitar, the ukulele and kazoo, with, according to him, varying degrees of proficiency. He's a patron of the Port Ferry Folk Festival, and I remember seeing him there many, many times, uh, emceeing and interviewing there. He has been married to Barbie for many years, and he has two children and four grandchildren. But in 2007, whilst he was on air, uh, his producer put a note under his nose and asked him to ring his wife Barbie immediately. It was really unusual, so Derek heeded it, the advice, and went out and rang Barb to discover that both his parents had been killed in a car accident in eastern Victoria. Derek, how are you? I'm really well, thank you, Milton. What about yourself, mate? I'm very well too, thank you. So, for me, what happened was I was playing, I was on the, and the program was going to air, and I was playing a Frank Zappa piece. Because sitting outside the studio, ready to come in for an interview, was Dweezil Zappa. <laughs> and I've been a, a, a Zappa fan um, since the first time I, um, I heard Was Mother's Just Another Band from L.A., uh, the Billy the Mountain and all that one. So, uh, and I had a nice, one of, one of the good instrumental pieces from um, Shut Up and Play Your Guitar. Um, I was playing on the, on the radio and... The uh, Dweezil was in, as I say, he was sitting outside and a smile and a wave, and you know he's he's enjoying the fact that I'm playing his dad's music because he was touring playing his dad's right. music. And then I get a, a buzz on the intercom from the producer, who said, uh, "How long has this track got?" And I said, "About five minutes." He said, "Call Barb now." I said, Ooh. So that's that's a that's a worry, in, as in you know we've got two kids and. Blah, 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 what's going? What's the problem? Though? Something important. Something important. I doubt. I doubt it would have been. Although you never know. Can you please pick up some milk on the way home? Um, because she would know it was a long track too. Mm. So anyway, 
Uh, go into the airlock and pick up the phone and ring home. And Barbie tells me that she said, on the news today you heard the story of, of a couple who were killed in a car crash in eastern Victoria. I said, no, I haven't heard any of the news bulletins today. And she said, she told me that it was mum and dad. And then she said, I've spoken to the producer. You're coming home now. He'll sort up sort everything out there. Uh, and I looked up and the producer was out ushering Dweezil away. So thanks very much. But uh, it's not going to happen tonight. Um, and then they switched to taking the program from Sydney. Um, so, uh, got a hell of a shock. It was a hell of a shock. And then... But I, I, I ride to work on a motor scooter. As it happens, um, we had um, we had some visitors that evening, and I'd get, you normally get home at half past ten. So uh, Fiona Boys, um, the the um, blues guitarist, was at our place with her manager husband, Steve, uh, and Steve has his motorbike license. So Barbie and Steve drove into the ABC. Steve rode my. Uh, scooter home and I don't know, I hopped in the car and I don't know what was said, I don't know anything about it, I can't remember going home um, but just stunned, just in shock, I guess got home um, our son came around with his then new baby a daughter came around eventually too, she was up wherever she had been um, yeah, so everyone the, everyone came around when you look back on it now, I mean, all these years later, um, what was the ABC like in terms of you know support for you and your colleagues, you know, friends and what have the, you? The ABC um, was actually fantastic. Uh, I got a call the next morning from the manager, who said uh, words to the effect of, um, "We're devastated to hear what happened." I'd al- I had already um, applied for leave. Uh, Two weeks after this, early into um, early, you know, close to the middle of December, and it was the twenty eighth of November. Um, but I got a call. Um, please, um, just don't come back in. Uh, start holidays now. Your holiday starts now. Come back when you're ready. But um, but you, there's no need to rush. There's no need to you know. It's, Give us a call if you need to, but you know, but just forget about work. So, um, which was, um, in my case, it was exactly what I needed. Mm. It got you know it got to the stage where um, I said to Barbie, "Let's just get out of here." We we flew, we left the country, and uh, and flew to, to Vietnam just to get us you know sort of still close but far enough away so that we could. Um, we booked it all before, and then after the funeral, we just took off. Yes, um, uh, but work. No, the work. <coughs> they were fabulous there. They, um, the manager and the executive producer and the producer of the program uh, all uh, all came to the funeral, um, and then there were probably other members of staff there. Um, I got vague memories of a couple of mm-hmm. of different people. There were you know hundreds of people at the funeral. Because, uh, you know, as I say, I'm one of six. And, um, yeah, yeah. So um, a big extended family. Uh, and then when I did get back to work in the in the middle of January, um, we had an open plan office. And so when people... Um, 
I can imagine that some people have difficulty in knowing what to do, and 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 how to how to deal with and how to how to deal with the fact that someone's clearly still suffering grief. Uh, but w- what happened in the ABC was, and I guess it's because there's it's about communication, um, without it being a rush of people up to see me to make sure I was okay. Everybody came to make sure I was okay. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, not all at once, and and it was like and and people picking them pick, picking moments. I'd be in the queue for the coffee, mm. and someone from Radio National or Classic FM or from the record library or whatever um, would just come up and and you know put a hand around or or an arm around or you know that sort of. Um, so you felt gentle. really cared for. In I, that I, I felt I felt um, um, embraced. Yes, I felt I was I was in I was in the embrace of my colleagues, mm. um, but not smothered either. No, so it was they in the music term they got the rhythm right. They okay. got they got the yeah they got the rhythm exactly right. Yeah, mm. anyway. because in often cases you know you you think of the the opposite of that where you you could feel awkward, lonely, disconnected, mm. um, which is just horrible. But that is around people's you know not that they you know, they deliberately do that they just don't know what to do. In that case, of the yeah. ABC. It was clearly not the case, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, 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 when I suppose you lose someone very suddenly like that, and I'm thinking about when my father died here, is that um, in my case I had a lot of unresolved issues with Dad. We'd had this yeah. roller coaster of a of a life where you know we were either great or we we're in a uh, holding pattern or we we're in a cold war. And unfortunately, when he died, we were in a cold war. And I felt very challenged by that. Subsequent to his death, for a short time, um, when you lose two in one go at the same time like that, was, was any of those sort of complications with you? Or? Oh, well, yes, yeah. I, I had been a disappointment to my father for a long time. Um, in 1969... Obviously on the sport front. On the sport front. Well, he, <laughs> he, he gave up worrying about that. But in, in 1969, I went to the States as an exchange student and I spent 12 months living with an African-American family in Minneapolis. And um, in those days, it was $1,000 to um, to cover the cost of airfares, return airfares or whatever it was, something like that, because I was then hosted by a family for, for a year. Um, and before I went, I was still a... Uh, my father was v- a very religious. He was a, a Methodist lay preacher. Um, uh, he was very ambitious for me. He thought... He decided that I, when I grew up, I'm, I was going to be a, um, a lawyer, probably a barrister. So he'd made all these decisions. And I'd grown up um, as a religious child and teenager and thinking that that's got to be my path. The concept of, of um, working on the radio was that childhood dream of engine driver. And yep. it, was, it was pushed back to there. So, um, so when I got back, um, I was an atheist <laughs> and I was not going to be a lawyer. Uh, and, and, the, 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 and the reasons for that are... Um, uh, varied. The reason I wasn't going to be a lawyer was because I had watched how the legal system had kept uh, minority groups down in the United States. They were kept down by law, so the law is an ass. Why would I be uh, uh, an officer of a court where the laws were uh, designed to oppress people? And so I know Australia is not like America, but it's 1969 and 1970 in Australia, and and there was there were similar uh, problems. There, you know, gay people were still being put in jail. Mm. So the, the law was an ass. 
Um, and the reason that I lost my religion was because uh, we had a discussion with a captain chaplain from the American army about the war in Vietnam, uh, a lunchtime discussion at the school I was at. And I asked the question of him, how does fighting a war in Vietnam match up with the Christian imperative of loving your neighbour and turning the other cheek and loving your enemy, which is a way you could read it, but just just loving your neighbour and turning the other cheek. And he thought for a while and he said, the best way to love a commie is to kill him, put him out of his misery. That's and that's 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 the so okay. This is interesting. This is not what religion's about. This is not even cherry picking because I bet this guy would not be in favour of euthanasia. Mm. I didn't think that deeply about it. I just thought, what a bunch of garbage! Is this what religion really is? And so I started to investigate from my perspective, but have a look at what it all meant. So you and came back then to Australia with a different view of what your, your father yes, I was ingrained in him. Yes. And, and did that sort of then flow through to your life in a lot of ways, did it? Oh, well, it just it just meant that we now had... Um, a disconnect around a some disconnect. very important things to your yeah. father, I suppose. But he, he, wasn't, he wasn't too bad. He, ne- he, never, he never got stuck into me about um, not being religious. Uh, he did say it was the worst $1,000 he'd ever spent. Um, <laughs> he, uh, and, and then uh, a, a little while later, I, I, was, sort of, I was lost. I have to say, trying to work out what I did want to do. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, so that's when I was, went through the record shops and working at GDV9 and those sorts of things until Barbie suggested the, the correct path. But for a while there, um, um, and a friend of mine overheard somebody ask Murray, um, what are your kids doing? And he went through, well, oldest one, um, he's working at Burroughs Computers. Third oldest one, she, um, she's uh, she's the manager of a travel agency, the fourth oldest one, she's a triple certificate sister. The fifth oldest one, he's he's um, he's doing um, engineering at Caulfield Tech. Uh, number six, she's learning to be a teacher at uh, Ballarat University in Derek Works in a Record Shop. <laughs> right. uh, and then some years later, the same question was asked of him and the same person same friend overheard him say, well, Derek works for the ABC. Uh, right. I went from bottom to top, right. uh, which sort of gave me a sense that um, substance was not as important as uh, the show. As the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that was – so we had this ongoing we, – we never had any particular – Fights. We had arguments and disagreements about a couple of things. We were we were mostly in a holding pattern, um, uh, but we were very cl- very close to mum. Yeah, mum mum was just lovely. So well, I, I suppose you know I could run a whole podcast on the stories of fathers and son relationships. You could, yes. Um, <laughs> so you 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 know you, yours is probably not uncommon to yeah. a, a lot of people, but to lose both your parents uh, in those sort of circumstances, you know, is certainly. Uh, I mean, it must have been just the trauma of it and the shock of it. Um, I just wanted to try and finish on something that, uh, you know, is both very dear to our hearts, which is uh, the Port Ferry Folk Festival. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, um, due to COVID, it's uh, not being uh, held in 2021. Um, When did you first fall across the Port Ferry Folk Festival? And as a patron of it now, because I'm actually thinking, and I'm pretty sure it was you, um, 
when Archie Roach uh, performed after Ruby Hunter had died and at Port Fair, and I'm fairly certain that was you who emceed. I, I did, yes. Yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking that was as nearly as moving a performance as I've ever seen to Port Ferry. That, I mean, for him to do it, you the intro, the whole scene of it was just extraordinary. Um, uh, yes. Um, so th- the Port Ferry, we got back from overseas at the end of 1979 uh, and we had been on the folk scene through the Dan O'Connell Hotel and, and uh, those sorts of places um, for a while. Uh, so we got back 1980 and we're told in, in, um, in March there's going to be this festival that the Geelong Folk Club's putting on in Port Ferry. So we went in 1980 and it was the back of a semi-trailer in the Gardens Oval yes. and it was just fantastic. And we've been every year since because Barbie's parents first, they had property outside of, of Warrnambool at Yarp Turk, just near the rail, yes. near the air, airport there. And we'd drop the kids off and swap the kids for their camper van later on. But we'd go and... Um, yeah, we'd go and spend time at Port Ferry every year. Um, and then when I was working on the on the radio in Hamilton, Port Ferry was trying to build its reputation, so they'd take out ads. And um, Port Ferry was one of my was the area in which I was because we were sales as well as well. The presenters were sales and announcing, <laughs> so I had I had um, Port Ferry as part of my area. So I would try and sell advertising about around the time of the festival, um, and then. Um, when I was with the ABC, um, organised to uh, to get Music Delhi, which was doing live broadcasts from Port Ferry, get it mm-hmm. broadcast on the regional network as well as on Radio National. Mm-hmm. So because it was happening in our region, so um, we used to we keep pushing and pushing. And eventually, they asked me if I'd be the uh, the ambassador for the festival, which apparently means that I'm not allowed to talk for more than ten minutes without mentioning it at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> but so that but that that particular um, that particular gig with with Uncle Arch, when. Um, when I was back at work, um, just back at work, only um, a couple of weeks, Archie was doing a concert um, in Fed Square, and he had Dave Arden in the band and, and the usual the usual suspects in that band, the game was playing bass, um, and I went to see. I, I left home a bit early to go and watch um, a bit of Archie's set, and. I only managed to see two or three songs. And at the end of it, um, I could see Dave pointing over in my direction. So I went over to, towards him and Archie came out and just threw his arms around me and said um, uh, how sorry he was to hear my news. Um, so then a, a few years later, um, it's Archie comes to Port Ferry to perform right after Ruby's funeral. Mm. And I walked backstage, uh, as the MC, I walked backstage and I just did the reverse, just uh, threw my arms around. I I cried on his shoulder. Mm. Um, He's such a powerful man. Uh, But then to have him sitting there with the empty chair next to him, yeah, it was extraordinary. It was just an extraordinary performance. The the power, the the love. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, he's 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 an incredible, incredible human being. It was a mo- It was actually a, a marvelous moment for humanity. That actually, without it trying was. to overstate or anything, but it was a beautiful thing to be a part of that day. Yeah, just this so much love there for him, and uh, 
and you um, you know you piloted it and kicked it all off, and it was extraordinary. Well, I'm just I'm reading his autobiography now, and we're we're uh, we're not I'm not that far into it yet. It's just the beginning of the um, of the stellar career after Charcoal Lane came out. It's so, a great book. Yeah. Uh, I, I've read it yeah. and, uh, and, and I devoured it. So, yeah. um, Derek Geel, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure and a privilege to be talking to you today and to hear the, uh, the dulcet tones, uh, again, of that wonderful <laughs> voice of yours. Um, thank you so much for being on this podcast and look forward to continuing our friendship, mate. Yeah, very much so. It's been my great pleasure, Milton. Thanks, mate. I'm Milton Walters, and you've been listening to Adapting in My Grief. One of the goals of this podcast is to talk about how we deal with grief in the workplace and how we can possibly do it better. So head over to our website, adapting.com.au, to learn more or indeed share a story or an insight that you might have that you think could be of value to this end. During the conversations throughout the series, if there are any triggers that cause you concern, anxiety, or make you feel in any way uncomfortable, please seek professional assistance through some of the many great organisations providing invaluable mental health support and services, for example, Beyond Blue and Lifeline, to name just a few. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to rate and review it and also to subscribe to it. This podcast is produced by Neely Media in Melbourne. Additional sound engineering by I Explain IT in Port Ferry. And the music is by Sophia Winnie.